So as was just mentioned, I'm uh, relatively new to Alaska, classic tale of the East Coast boy uh, comes out to Alaska just after graduating college and hopes for dreams in the frontier. Uh, for, though, for, for me, those dreams have been uh, working in politics around the state, so I've mostly spent my time in front of a computer, or on the phone, or in offices, so haven't gone out outside as much as I would have liked. So my philosophy here has been, if someone asks me to go on a trip or an adventure comes my way, I've just been saying yes. If there's an opportunity, I just want to get out there. That led to me being on a sport fishing trip, actually out of Homer, um, in, uh, way out in the Cook Inlet, about 40 miles out, uh, with kind of a unique group of guys, mostly people I really didn't know. Uh, there was Scott, the boat owner, um, who was this really kind of self-made Alaskan man, really hates the government, big anti-government fan, uh, <laughs> just hates, absolutely hates bureaucracy. Um, uh, his, uh, he owns a construction company. His employee, Dustin, Dustin just got back from a trip, uh, from working on the slope for a long time. Dustin, big burly guy, was wearing these steel boots um, that were huge, some of the biggest I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why I needed, this, needed them on this sunny August day. Um, Dustin, big Donald Trump fan, told me several times throughout the day that Donald Trump, quote, epitomized what it means to be a man. Um, <laughs> pr particularly relevant now. And then, um, and then, uh, and then there was uh, kind of a vague acquaintance of mine on the boat and his brother-in-law, so kind of an interesting group. Um, throughout the day, there were things that were kind of irking me, things that were making me feel a little uncomfortable. For one, they were kept talking about how East Coasters don't know any common sense, that city people don't know um, how to really take care of themselves, so they were kind of prodding me with that. Um, they really couldn't stand that I was a vegetarian. Um, they had buckets and buckets, like buckets of fried chicken on this boat, um, and, and were just like waving this the fried chicken in my face at some point and, and telling me that's not evolutionarily possible to be a vegetarian. Um, <laughs> I'm living proof that it is. Um, and then, and then, uh, and then uh, um, uh, they also, um, they were kept going way over their rockfish fishing limit. I, at one point when we were motoring back, there were just rockfish, small rockfish floating like balloons all over the boat. And the kind of peace-loving, hippy-dippy vegetarian that I am, who my, the most common t-shirt I wear has kale across the chest. Um, <laughs> Uh, that was quite hard to take in. Anyway, kind of a weird day, but we're motoring back um, towards Homer, and I'm thinking that things are relaxing a little bit. I'm taking an Instagram of the sun setting over the Alaska range, obviously in secret. They would hate it if they knew I was taking Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, reading, I'm opening the pages of my new book on sustainable agriculture, starting to relax. And then I hear pop, 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 boom, and the engine just cuts out. We're at the junction, kind of, of the Catchmack Bay and Cook Inlet, this just bathtub of tidal currents and weird tides and ocean movements. Um, and immediately, these guys start to kind of like figure out what's going on. They're like looking into fuel tanks. I knew there was a bad sign when the Scott, the owner of the boat, tries prying open the back fuel tank, and it looked like it hadn't been opened in months, if not years. Um, and then, um, uh, really, it becomes clear to me that there's just no fuel left. Um, and then, after about this initial 10, 15 minute period passes, two of the guys start just filleting fish, like, oh, the boat's adrift, uh, might as well just fillet fish. Um, and, then, and then the other two guys continue to tinker with fuel lines and filters and pumps and try to find a problem that just doesn't exist. The problem is we're out of gas. Um, uh, at one point, I remember seeing uh, one of the guys just banging on the back of the boat, if, like, that's going to help it turn on. Um, so I realized quite, I, I asked, Scott, is there anything I can do to get us out of the situation? He says, oh, no, you know, just, uh, just kind of chill out, you know, we're fine, we'll just drift out here. He didn't have enough, he basically had no anchor line on the boat, too, I, I found out at that moment. So he said, you know, well, you know, why don't you just go down, there's sleeping bags down below, we'll probably boat, we'll find us in the morning, and, because uh, it, was, it was getting dark at this point, and, you know, we're fine, and please, whatever you do, just don't tell anyone what's going on, don't tell the government, don't get the Coast Guard involved, that's the worst thing to happen. 
when he said that, my personality is such that the first, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to tell everyone I know what's going on. So I get to this like kind of corner of the boat off the bow and like start launching this covert uh, rescue operation. I huddle, I huddle under my uh, hoodie, my jacket, and start just texting, calling, pinging, Facebook messaging, anyone I could possibly think of. I've only been in the state for two months, but I just, I'm like telling everyone, oh my God, I'm, I am, uh, you know, I'm here. Uh, I knew if, if I was going to go down, I at least wanted people to know where I was. I didn't want the last people to know, uh, to know what was going on to be these anti-government people on the boat with me. Um, so, so um, uh, through a series, I mean, I told my boss, my boss's friends, just everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm sending fine my friend alerts to my parents, my poor, loving, um, really, really parent, great parents out on the East Coast who are freaking out. Um, uh, and anyway, and then um, through a series of events, we're connect I'm connected to the harbor master in the town of Seldovia, a village of, small village of Seldovia, about five miles uh, from where we are. And I mean, keep in mind, I'm like trying to tell them what's going on and I'm like going off of an iPhone app that's telling me our coordinates. I'm like, I remember Googling, uh, you know, what is the fuel economy of this particular uh, Yamaha engine? Um, I'm like trying to come up with answers for them. And they say, oh, we think we can find two, you know, some guys to come help you out. Um, a little while later, I, I get notification that the harbor master has found two guys to bring us fuel out, and, um, and then uh, basically, it's basically an hour and a half or so later, I hear a crackle on the radio, and it's clear that there are people coming to get us, and they, uh, these guys tell us, um, these guys get on the radio and say, hey, is there a distress vessel out there to the west of Seldovia? We're coming to get you. And I get on, and I ask them what their vessel name is, and they say, oh yeah, we're MV Blow Up Doll, and we'll be, up, we'll be there as soon as we can. <laughs> hour and 45 minutes later it's about like 11:30 ish at night um luckily the weather was good so we hadn't moved too much there's like an anchor that's kind of like dangling off the boat it's just symbolic um and uh and um i hear out of the darkness of the night this little dinky motor and all of a sudden a little inflatable raft appears next to our boat and it has it contains a tiny little engine a very little amount of fuel and the two town drunks um, who have come, who have come, who have come to get us. And the first thing I heard them saying was they were freaking out about. They were like, "Oh my God, this boat is so much bigger than we thought it would be. I can't believe this." And then they started complaining about how they were missing the last hour of the bar being open. Um, they were pretty plastered, and um, they gave us just a little bit of fuel to get us um, basically 15 minutes more um, towards Seldovia. The boat stops, that's it. I mean, either in that moment, I either had to make a decision. Do I stay on this boat? Scott, the owner of the boat, was saying, he's going to stay on the boat no matter what. You just, if, if anything, you go down with your vessel, you don't leave it. Um, I obviously decided to leave the vessel, and uh, it seemed like the best decision at the time. Get in this little inflatable raft with two drunk dudes and motor 45 minutes to Seldovia, and I do that, and uh, we, and, and eventually we convince Scott to do the same, so everyone leaves the boat, uh, we get, I remember looking at the stars above as we're motoring back and think, feeling how calm I, calm I was then at that moment, and how uh, wonderful it was that we were going to be okay, and meanwhile, the two guys who are driving the boat are complaining about the bar, Dustin and Scott are complaining that we left the boat, and I'm feeling pretty peaceful. Um, we get into town, obviously they're uh, best, uh, they're very good friends with the bar owner, they're able to find us a room to crash for the night above the bar, um, and uh, the, uh, the final memory of that weird, unique day is uh, sleeping in this cozy inflatable mattress with Dustin, um, sn snuggling with him as he uh, uh, starts grumbling to me about what, why we shouldn't have left the boat, and all I do is look over at my phone, see all the pings and Facebook messages and all the memories of all the people I've called for at the last few hours, and realize, I guess, it sometimes pays off to be that slightly neurotic East Coast boy. Thank you.